Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Vampire Historian Podcast. Today's episode is a special interview I did um, earlier today with a comic book author, Marv Wolfman, who is the author of the Tomb of Dracula comics from the 1970s, from uh, 1972 to 1979. Uh, He started on with the seventh issue. He didn't write the first six issues. Um, But he did this with artist uh, Gene Colan, and together they did all of the remaining issues through issue number 70, as well as several other um, magazines and things like that with Tomb of Dracula. Um, Tomb of Dracula had lots of crossovers with characters like Doctor Strange, um, the Defenders, and um, other things. And it's also uh, probably most notably the comic that created the character Blade, and we talk about that a little bit in this interview. Um, And, uh, you know, Blade went on to become the first real Marvel Studios movie um, in, of course, a trilogy of movies, uh, mostly based on uh, the Blade of the comic book. So um, here's an interview I did with... This one was at a comic uh, book convention today, so I tried to cut out the background noise as much as possible. Um, And uh, the the sound quality may not be the greatest just because of how we had to record. Uh, We were actually sitting at Marv's table... Um, and we even had to take some breaks for so he could do some signings uh, in between our, our talks. So uh, if there seems like there's some weird stops in the conversation, that's what was going on. People were coming up to get uh, um, his autograph and uh, things like that while while we were recording. So um, so excuse that, but this is um, an interview from we did live today at the comic book show, at North Texas Comic Book Show and um, in Dallas. And I hope you enjoy it. All right, well, we're here at the North Texas Comic Book Show with uh, comic author Marv Wolfman, who, for my listeners, will know best as the uh, writer of Tomb of Dracula um, in the 1970s. So thanks for being here. My pleasure. And um, just wanted to kind of to get started. Um, you didn't write the first six issues, but you came on in issue seven. Was it, um, before you came on, was it a project that you were already looking at or interested in before you came about? No, actually, I didn't want it. I didn't. No. Uh, I had no affinity for the material because I never saw a Dracula movie. Oh wow! Uh, almost have never seen any since either. Uh, I just wasn't interested in vampire movies. Mm-hmm. Now I had read the book, the novel, and I loved the novel, but um, I I uh, assumed that they were interested in a movie approach. Right. And when they said I could do what I wanted, then I became interested because I wanted to do what the book did as opposed to what the movies did. Right. Or what I assumed the movies did. I, you know, it's impossible in this world, even back in 1972, to um, not know a lot about this material just through the ether. Mm-hmm. So I knew about the vampire movies. I just never saw them. Sure. So did you read the book um, when you were younger or like... When you were working on the, before you worked on the comic? Well, I read it when I was younger. I read a sort of a, a, a more YA version of right. it. Right. And then I read it again after they asked me to write it. Mm-hmm. Um, and really loved it. And the approach that Bram Stoker took, which is really about the vampire hunters or regular people mm-hmm. and the effects of Dracula's evil on them, really interested me. I thought that was something I could care about. Uh, as opposed to a book about vampires, right? Uh, in themselves, because they're not that, all that interesting, mm-hmm. but how they affect other people mm-hmm. could be. And then developed my interpretation of what Dracula would be based on what I read in the Stoker material, mm-hmm. right? And your your 
Dracula kind of keeps a lot of the same traits, the bat, turning into a bat, mists, and yeah. those kind of things, um, as in the book. Uh, whose idea was it to um, use the tie-in with Vlad the Impaler? Was that there kind of from the beginning, or...? No, the, uh, that was becoming fairly well-known at the time. In the 70s. And my feeling was, why not do? Why not go that way? Uh, whether it's true or not really doesn't make any difference. Sure. Uh, but it gave him an interesting background as a warrior and somebody who was both utterly vicious because he would behead people and, so, and uh, stick their heads on pikes and right. all of that, but also... Uh, thought of as a hero for his people. Mm-hmm. So, as a writer, you look for the dichotomies that you can play against, and that was a great one. Mm-hmm. Uh, hero and a villain all at once. Uh, Dracula in the in, in your comics uh, can often be pretty vulnerable. It actually gets you know, killed or staked a few times, and uh, yeah. uh, was that important for you to put that that in there that he wasn't you know just this impenetrable monster? Well, again, I wasn't writing... In the beginning, I wasn't writing about Dracula. I was writing about the people. Mm -hmm. Slowly, as I got a good feeling of the character and where I wanted to go and what I wanted to play with, he became more and more important. But there's nothing interesting to me about a character like that if he's totally invulnerable, Mm -hmm. if he can't be affected by a number of things, uh, if he can't possibly die. But, of course, with him... You can resurrect him if you don't kill him in the right way. Right. Um, which, by the way, Stoker doesn't do in his own book. Right. Um, and I always found that interesting as well, that he actually does not kill Dracula. Right. Uh, in the prescribed manner. <laughs> and uh, the, the Hammer movies did that. I you know you didn't watch the movies, but Christopher Lee is killed a few times and resurrected in various movies there, too. Would they pause here? Hi. So then, um, of course, one of the things that Tomb of Dracula has really brought to the kind of the world of comics and everything is Blade. Right. Um, so can you talk a little bit about the, the creation of that character? Blade uh, is an interesting one because only two characters in my entire career have created dozens upon dozens of characters. Mm-hmm. It came to me in a second. Mm-hmm. Totally, fully understood, and Blade was one of those two. So... I knew who he was instantly, I knew what he cared about, I knew what he looked like, I knew what I wanted to do with him, and because I didn't see the movies, mm-hmm. you know, everything was influenced far more by the books, and the idea of a character like Blade, who had been, whose mother had been bitten by a vampire, who shared some of that blood, mm-hmm. uh, who was very different from the standard British characters, because first of all, he's an American, even though his mother was British, Mm -hmm. um, uh, made him interesting to me. I really liked that character, and I knew almost immediately that he was something special Mm -hmm. because of the way it came to me. Uh, How did you come about the decision to make him a black character in the 70s? I I grew up uh, in New York. Mm -hmm. I went to the high school of art and design, which unlike most high schools... You know, most high schools, uh, the people going to it all live in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, art design was in Manhattan, and it, or you, you had to pass a test to get in on artwork, and that meant that if you were a good artist in one way or another, wherever you came from, whatever part of the city you came from, 
you can get into the school. So you weren't just surrounded by the people who happened to live in your neighborhood. Sure. And if you lived in, back then, certainly in the late 60s, almost any place in the suburbs, it was probably 100% white. Mm -hmm. But when you go to school and they're picking people only by talent, you're seeing everybody. Right. Uh, so your friends are not just the guys that you grew up with. They were people from every part of New York City, and they were all races and all ethnicities. And I never understood because that was so com that was so common and expected. Mm -hmm. Why weren't there black characters in comics? Sure. Uh, why weren't there Hispanics in comics? So I decided I wanted that uh, for Blade. And also, I had tried to put a black character in a uh, story for another publisher previously, and we had problems doing that. Mm -hmm. And I sort of swore that the next major character I came up with would be black, because they should be. Right. I mean, why not? Mm -hmm. uh, so, it was a matter of, I wrote it into the story, nobody said no, nobody even thought of saying no. And I was able to do something that it turned out that there had been no black characters doing that sort of thing in a horror comic before. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So in, uh, in addition to Blade, one of the things that, that your book focuses on is the idea of the hunter with uh, Hannibal King and Quincy Harker and his daughter and all those things. Was You, you were saying earlier, it's kind of the effect of the people is what you're really going right. for. Um, so did you spend more time trying to develop how all of those different hunters were going to act in their backgrounds. Well, one of the advantages that I had with Tina Dracula was Gene Cole was the artist, mm -hmm. and he drew such beautiful faces and such realistic faces that it made it even more important to write up to that level, where each character was an individual. And if you're following the original novel, what you see is, you know... Um, Mina Hawker and Jonathan Hawker and all of those characters as all individuals. Right. And yes, it's 80 years later mm -hmm. in terms of, uh, you know, humankind uh, from the 1890s to the 1970s, but um, you still want to do the best you can to, to create characters that are interesting because that's what you're selling. You're not really selling Dracula. Later on, we did far more with Dracula himself, but in the beginning, it was mostly how how the ordinary people react, and to make them special and to make them interesting. Yeah, you spend a lot of time developing them as real people. Now, um, as far as the the vampires go, how much of the the whole background of the vampires in Atlantis and everything did you have to do with, or was that a little bit later? I don't think I touched anything about vampires in Atlantis because yeah, my my book was rooted in the real world, mm -hmm. and the only aberration was there were vampires. Yeah, uh, it's you know this the I think the the eventual origin of Marvel's Dracula's with Varnai and you know Atlantis and all these different things. No, I I did an origin of Dracula mm -hmm. with, uh, that Neil Adams drew, and that's the only one I cared about. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah. besides Tomb of Dracula, are there other Dracula books that you that you worked on? I did a, uh, a three-part series with Gene Colum mm -hmm. uh, at uh, Dark Horse, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a hardcover called Curse of Dracula. Mm-hmm. It was a very different Dracula. We right. did not, we didn't come even close to the Marvel version. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Dracula was public domain, and I just wanted to make sure that because I didn't create the Dracula book, mm-hmm. that I that I could come in with a very different character. And Gene did a beautiful job on the artwork, and uh, it was. I really like the book, and I wish there was more of an audience for horror books. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I would have loved to have done more of them. Well, and I know at the time it was one of the first because of the comic code, and yeah. you know, since he was a literary character, you were able to, they were able to get away with it. But uh, eventually, um, and I think it's funny as Dracula's character because Roy Thomas also went on to write a bunch of little Dracula series for Tops and yeah. some other other things too. So it was a, a character that people enjoyed. Um, as far as the, uh, you know, the kind of. Which of the crossover characters maybe did you enjoy working like Doctor Strange or, or even Howard the Duck or the Defenders or any of those? Was there one that you... I, I never through? used Howard the Duck in Dracula. No, I, Dracula did, went into him one of his books at one point. Um, um, no, I never I would never do that because that, that, that brought it to a different level. I right. wouldn't do the crossover with Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they asked me to do it, I, I turned it down and let somebody else write that crossover. Um... You, you did work on the Werewolf by Night. Uh, yeah, I worked Doctor on Doctor Strange Werewolf. a little bit. Yeah, Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange, I thought could fit mm-hmm. uh, if the story was very carefully crafted and we weren't doing tons of weird magic. Mm-hmm. Um, and Werewolf by Night could fit, but I did very few of those and only um, had, really had to push it to do some of that stuff because I wanted the book very much set in in as real a world as we can make it. Mm-hmm. Do you think? Um, with the with the things that are going on with Marvel today, they, they've they've got their own different Draculas now. They have a young blonde Dracula in some of these. We fought Hulk recently, and um, but with the, with the with the movies and cinematic universes, there, do you think there would ever be a place for for your Dracula to come into the cinematic universe at all? You know, Maybe with Doctor Strange again or something. I have I have no knowledge, obviously, of any of right. that stuff. Um, my feeling is I did 70-something issues of the book, you know, with the annuals and all of that stuff, over 70 of them, and I did it for a number of years, and then I wrote some Blade stories independently. That's all I care about is the stuff that I did, Mm -hmm. but if they bring them into the universe, fine, if it's well done, otherwise I won't care. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not something that is of vital importance to me. Uh, what was important was doing the book and making that book as good as I possibly could. Mm-hmm. Hopefully other people loved it as well. Hi, I'm How are you doing? Hi. So, um, just a little bit about, about you wish there was more interest in horror comics because it seemed to be kind of picking up now. And um, have you noticed that as well? Because I'm not uh, doing a lot of that, mm-hmm. uh, I don't follow the trends. The only horror book, uh, every every couple of years I got to write init- uh, some uh, Night Force horror stories, which I really love doing, because uh, that's a create my own creation, um, and I like that. Uh, but I don't know if they're selling better or worse or whatever else. But it seems like a lot of it's the independent publishers, uh, and, you know, like IDW and some places like that, to do a lot of, tend to do a lot more horror than, you know, let's say, the, the mainstream um, well, I just wanted to thank you for taking some time out today My pleasure. Busy con and um, 
what what are you working on anything now that you'd like to tell people about? Uh, I'm doing the Raven miniseries, and I just did a Bullseye for Marvel, and uh, I do other stuff as well. But that, in comics, that's what I'm doing. And uh, how can people find you online? Uh, Marv Wolfman is a Facebook page. Okay. And I've got a website, uh, uh, MarvWolfman.com. All right, well, I appreciate everything. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Vampire Historian Podcast. As always, you can find me at thevampirehistorian.com, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the uh, Vampire Historian or Vamp Historian. You can also email me at thevampirehistorian at gmail.com. Uh, be sure to check um, online at www.nctc.edu slash Dracula for information about the World Dracula Day Symposium that's coming up in May with Dacre Stoker, Gordon Melton, John Edgar Browning, uh, Thomas Garza, Elizabeth Richmond Garza, Nancy Rosenberg England, and myself um, in North Texas. So uh, stay tuned for more information about that and uh, some other exciting things that I have going on this week. Thanks.